0: The following is a presentation of the Connection Church, a place where people are being set free. If you'd like to know more information about our community, you can join us online at ConnectionChurchNC.com. If you would, throw that picture up on the screen just for a second. Um, It's a picture of Niagara Falls. And if you notice, right at the bottom, there's a guy on a tightrope. I think sometimes that's what our life feels like. We're in the middle of this raging storm of craziness. And we're on a wire. It's about that thick. And we're just out in the middle of of seemingly nowhere. And we're just walking. And And when I think about faith... Which is what we're talking about this morning. I think that's the that's the picture that we have sometimes of what faith is about. Is here we are, just 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 out there in the middle of nowhere, sitting on a wire, going, God, I mean, I, I think you've called me to do something. I don't know what it is, but God, here I am. And in this this in the middle of this craziness. God, here I am, and here I found myself, and what in the world am I doing here? How in the heck did I get in the middle of Niagara Falls on a tightrope? <laughs> it's a guy by the name of Nick, uh, Nick Walenda. In 2012, he was the first guy to ever walk across a tightrope in Niagara Falls, and then the next year, in 2013, he, he crossed a portion of the Grand Canyon, both of which with no safety net. And when I think about faith, I think that sometimes what we feel like, God, there's no net, <laughs> I know that you're calling me to some big thing and I'm not even sure what that big thing is. I don't even know what, what exactly it is that you're trying to tell me to do, God, but, but I'm willing. And, and so I think sometimes that's what we, we look like, We look at and we go, that's what faith is. To, to step out on that tightrope and just start walking with no safety net, with no plan, with no, no backup. God, let's just let's go for this. That's what I have had pictured in my mind when I think about faith. When I read David slaying the giant Goliath. And when I read of Joshua and the army of Israel shouting down the walls of Jericho, shouting, okay, not fighting, not barricading or busting down, shouting the walls of Jericho down. When, when I think of, of of in the New Testament, Peter walking on water and and the lame being healed and being able to walk and the blind being able to see, those are big Picture major things of faith when I think about faith, that's what I picture. No safety net, just going for it. And these are all stories that that we find in Scripture, and I feel like that maybe God might be asking me at some point to do some Niagara Falls esque big thing, right? And I got to step out on this tightrope with no safety net and just just start. Doing something Have you ever felt that way before? Like in your life, right? You're in the middle of crazy town And you're like, how did I get here? I said yes to Jesus at some point And and, and all of a sudden now My life is is just all over the place And I feel like I'm standing in this middle Of this tightrope No safety net and, And all craziness is breaking loose around me I want to talk about that this morning If you got your Bibles, turn to Hebrews 11. I want to unpack what faith really is. All right, we're going to to look at Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 1. And in Hebrews 11, verse 1, it says this. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things hoped not seen. Okay, so, so, so follow me. When, when the author of Hebrews wrote this, this letter, what they are doing here is giving a description of what faith is, okay? They're not defining faith. They're giving a description of what faith is. So if you're taking notes this morning, right, this is the one note that I want you to write down. The definition of faith. All right, this is how we define faith. And it's this, divine persuasion. That's what faith by definition is. Divine means that it comes from God, all right? Faith is something that we can only get from God. It is divine, and it is persuasion, meaning when God gives us faith, Once we we get persuaded divinely, it means we immediately buy into whatever it is that God is trying to speak in that moment. That is what true God-centered faith really is. We get something from God that we can't obtain, and then we immediately buy into whatever it is that he's trying to convince us of, to persuade us of. That's why I'm here today, (laughs) That's why I believe in Jesus. That's why I believe in God. It's because at one point in my life, I had to believe in concrete things, right? I had to see things to be able to believe it. I had to see miracles happen and I had to be able to touch and feel things. But but as I've grown in my faith, as I've grown in my divine persuasion, all of a sudden that belief has transferred into this idea, that all God has to do is just say something and I'll receive it and go with it. That's what divine persuasion is. It can only come from God. And when we get it from him, we buy into what he is trying to tell us. So so let's look at this text real quick, all right? Faith is assurance of things hoped for. It's conviction of things not seen. Meaning, As a follower of Christ, right, those of us who follow Jesus this morning, when God gives us faith, whatever he is telling us, whatever he is promising us, whatever he is persuading us to do, that means that it is a firm foundation that we can stand on. We can be assured of the hope that we have in Jesus. We can be convicted of the things that He gives us. It is a firm foundation when God gives us His faith. When He divinely persuades us, is something that we can stand firm on, even if we can't see the end result. Even when we can't see the end of it, when God gives us faith, we have the ability to trust, to know that He will walk us through Every step of the way. All right? so, to, so to kind of put some bones on this, all right? to, kind of, to kind of put some meat and flesh on the bones of this idea of what faith is, I kind of want to look at a story that's found in Hebrews 11. It's one of the greatest faith stories in all of Scripture. It's a story of a guy by the name of Abraham. I just want to highlight a couple points in his life, all right? Abraham was, was known as the, the father of the nation of Israel, all right? He, he, uh, he had a, a relationship with God, and God promised him that he would be the descendant of, of many people, and the nation of Israel came out of him. He is the father of the nation of Israel, and it says this, by faith, in verse 8, by God's divine persuasion... All right, Abraham obeyed, which means he did what God told him to do when he was called to go out of a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. Get this, friends. Sometimes, God calls us to go to places where there are no roadmaps where there's not a full picture, where we can see the whole thing planned out. Sometimes God might be asking us to do something and we don't actually see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's what he did here with Abraham. He said, Abraham, go. Just go to a land that I, I'll show you. And what does Abraham do? He obeys Immediately, you see, God called Abraham out of his hometown to go somewhere. He didn't even tell him where. Abraham doesn't even know where God is wanting him to go. God just says, leave, and then I'll show you what's next. You see, sometimes faith takes a step of obedience, in order to begin to see the process of God beginning to move in whatever particular situation you might find yourself in. Sometimes that divine persuasion that God begins to give us is provoking us to do something, to be obedient in order to see God move. It takes that step of obedience when God begins to stir up our faith in our hearts and in our minds. See, faith always has to have obedience. It's not just enough to just just say that you're divinely persuaded by God that you believe. There's got to be action that's connected to it. Maybe God today is calling you to do something. Maybe there's been some, something, uh, a guy by the name of Bill Hybels, he's a, he's a pastor up north. He calls it a holy discontent. Maybe there's something in your heart or in your mind that God has began to stir in you and you don't even know exactly what it is, but you just feel unsettled. I've been there several times in my life where, where, where I'm just going along doing my thing and my wife and I are, are living life and things are okay and then all of a sudden something just doesn't sit right. And it's like God begins to stir and God begins to work and I have to start going, getting on my face and going, God, I, I know something's not right. I don't know what it is. I just, I just need you to, to show me. And as I begin to be obedient, as he gives me more faith, all of a sudden then I start seeing step. After step, after step. Sometimes faith is progressive. Unfortunately, I think sometimes we get comfortable relaxing on the front porch of our faith, right? The sun's nice and warm. There's a porch swing on our front porch that we can hang and and sit and have a glass of sweet tea and just enjoy What's going on? <laughs> and we look at Niagara Falls and go, "Nah, that's for that's for other people, right? I'm not I'm not about to jump on that tightrope. I'm I'm comfortable exactly right here where I'm at. When all the while, see, God is on the move." God is going to work, regardless of whether you're a part of it or not. God is going to accomplish what he wants to do. He is going to do amazing things in this community, whether you are a part of it or not, whether I decide to be a part of it or not. God is going to work. The thing is, am I going to accept the opportunity to be a part of it, to see him work in a crazy and fresh way? way, but you see, a lot of times we think crossing Niagara Falls is only for the crazy people. It's only for the, for the Jesus freak people, right? A little shepherd boy, 15 years old, throwing a slingshot and killing a giant. Man, that happened back in the Bible times, but God doesn't do big things like that anymore. You see, because we've bought into this idea Of the American dream, our culture has created a very, very, very small God. He fits nicely in our box, right? We pull him out and we come to church and like a little pet. Praise you, Jesus. We love you. Thanks for dying on the cross, man. That's awesome. We go home and go to work. We go about our day. We do our thing. Something bad might happen. We pull God back out and say, God, please, can you make this work? Can you fix this? Okay, cool. Put him back in the pocket and go on. Does God still raise the dead? Yes. Does God still heal people? Does God still do the miraculous things that we see in Scripture? He's the same yesterday and today and tomorrow. That's what I, I mean, I believe that. If we want to see God move, we've got to break him out of this little box that we put him in, Church. It's what we're called to do. Crazy thing is, is God still moves. <laughs> it's just, do we choose to see it or not? We think we've boxed God in. And maybe in my mind, I have. But in reality, He's moving. <laughs> I'm just choosing not to see it. We've got to open our eyes to perceive God in a new and fresh way. And that is where faith comes in it's faith that drives us to action like abraham step out and go go i don't even know where i'm gonna go i'm just gonna go that's what abraham did and it says this in verse 9 by faith after he went by faith abraham went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land living in tents with isaac and jacob heirs with him of the same promise you see Friends, steps of faith don't guarantee our comfort. And steps of faith don't even guarantee us seeing the promise realized, seeing the promise be fulfilled. Whatever, Whatever that God is laying on your heart, whatever vision God might be putting on you. You see, even when we are smack in the middle of God's will, when we know that we're literally doing exactly what God calls us to do, guess what? Life may not get better. Life may not be easy. Whenever you start making steps of obedience and following what God is asking you to do in your life, life might get harder. You might feel sometimes like you're in the middle of Niagara walking on a tightrope. You see, God promised Abraham the land of Canaan. That's where he went. It says in Genesis 12, he left the land of Ur and God told him to leave. So he just went and went to the land of Canaan. It was a promised land that he had given to Abraham. But get this, while Abraham was still living there, he was a foreigner living in a tent. That's what verse 9 says. How does that sound for a promise? Hey, Abraham. Guess what? I want you to leave this inheritance that you have and your friends and your family and the comforts of life. I want you to pick up and I want you to go to somewhere I'm not even going to tell you. And guess what, Abraham? Now that you're here, you're going to be homeless. And even though this is the promised land, you're actually not going to live to see a house built in this land. While you're alive, you're going to be looking like the weird guy that lives in the, in the van down by the river, right? That's going to be you, Abraham, on your property. You're going to be hanging out in a van down by the river. Abraham was promised Canaan, but he never saw it fulfilled. Verse 13 says, these, including Abraham, they all died in faith. They died in faith with this divine persuasion, even though they didn't see it. They they died in faith not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on this earth. Abraham had settled himself to what God was wanting him to see. You see, a question that God asked me one day a, a couple weeks ago as I was thinking through this and it's stuck with me for a few weeks now. It's this question: Are you willing to dig footings? Are you willing to dig footings? See, when you build any solid structure like, like a house, if you want it to stand for a long time and, and you want it to have integrity and, and a firm foundation, digging footings is essential. You have, to, you have to dig deep enough. You've got to dig a deep enough hole, and then when you dig that, that trench in that whole area, you fill it up with concrete. And that establishes a firm foundation for the house to be built on. It sets up the whole thing so that a house can be built. A few weeks ago, God asked me, are you okay with being the guy that digs footings? Are you okay with me giving you a promise and you living as a stranger in a tent down by the river and never seeing the promise that I've given you fulfilled? You see, friends, God might be calling us not to experience all this, the blessing and all this kind of stuff. God might actually be calling us to dig the footings for a foundation of a move of God in this community that literally changes the next generation and the next generation and the generation after that. God is wanting to build his kingdom in this place. And friends, I think that we are potentially being asked, are you willing to dig the footings for this? Are you willing to receive this part to serve so that the building can be built (laughs) in the generations to come. We might never see the entire structure, but God might be asking us to lay the groundwork for something revolutionary. You see, being a person of... of of faith, being a person of divine persuasion means that you are willing to accept whatever part of the story God asks you to play. I understand that God is the star of this show, okay? And that if I have to be the janitor of the show, that's all right. Because guess what? I'm still in the show. (laughs) I'm still a part of the show. I don't care what part I have to play. But when we, when we reckon ourselves to this idea that this story is all about God and how He gets the fame and the glory, then if I get to be a part of digging the foundation, doggone I'll do it. I'll do whatever you ask me, God, because you're asking me to be a part of it. That's huge. Like verse 13 says, we have to understand that this world is not our home. Abraham knew that he was an exile and a stranger in a foreign land. And that when Jesus came back on judgment day, when we finally get to commune with God, (laughs) we will receive exactly the promises that He has given us. Lastly, in verse 17, one other thing that Abraham did blew my mind. It says, by faith... When God tested Abraham, he offered up Isaac. He offered up his son. You see, this is where we crank it to eleven on the crazy scale. Okay, uh, I mean, I mean, you know, pick up and move is one thing, and it's one thing to be a homeless stranger in a in a place you know that you live, but but sacrifice your kid? Okay, God, that, that's it's too far. All right, you've you've crossed the line, right? See, this Genesis account of this story says that God told Abraham to go sacrifice his son as a burnt offering to the Lord. Take your kid up on a mountain, kill him, and burn the remains. (laughs) Now, because we know the story, this was a test, right? God didn't actually make him kill his son and and, and sacrifice him. But God was giving Abraham an opportunity to be faithful. But Abraham didn't know that. When God told him to go do this, Abraham didn't know how the story was going to end. And yet, it says, by faith, Abraham offered up Isaac. (laughs) Now, I know some of us in this room... um, from time to time, want to inflict bodily harm on our children, okay? Um, I'm, I've been there, okay? I know, uh, but, but man, seriously? Who in here wants to sacrifice your kid? I mean, who, who in here will take their child up on a mountain, kill their child, and, and burn them, right? That's crazy town, When I read this story, up until this point, I've been okay, right? God, you asked me to move into a foreign land, sure, I've done that before, all right? I've picked up and I've moved uh, away with me and my wife, and it's just been her and I 700-some miles away. I've been uh, all over the the world. I've been to different countries. I've moved. I've done those kind of things. I understand going into new environments. I'm okay with being a servant. Um, I'm okay with digging footings. God, I get that. Yes, yes, Jesus, I'll do all those things. And then he says, sacrifice your son. (laughs) You see, God is asking more of us than just pick up and move. He's asking more of us than just be willing to dig footings and be a servant. God literally is asking everything from us. Faith in God will ultimately call us to a willingness to sacrifice everything we have to Him. To literally give Him everything, even those things that are most precious and promised to us. Put yourself in Abraham's shoes for a minute. God asks you to sacrifice your child. I don't know, if you don't have kids, put your spouse in there. If you don't have a spouse, put whatever's your favorite thing. God asks you to sacrifice one of the things that is the most important to you. When I started posing this question in my brain, I literally started thinking, okay, God, how... Could I, if I'm just sitting there one day and all of a sudden I hear you say, go sacrifice your child. I immediately started thinking, how am I going to do, how can I do that? Like I started trying to figure out, is there some kind of like mental place that I've got to go and like, and like this willpower of something that I got to stir up within me, some kind of internal fortitude that I got to, Get out to be able to take my son up a mountain and kill him and burn him. Can I do that? You know what my answer was? No. I can't do that. I love my son too much. And God started breaking me as I started thinking about this because as I I processed this I started realizing guess what none of us can there's not a single person sitting in this room that if God asks you to give up the thing that you cherish and desire the most that you have in this world, your most cherished possession, if God asks you to give that away, to sacrifice it to Him, there's not a single person sitting in this place that could do it. Not one of us is able. <laughs> And then God gently reminded me, Brent, that's not the definition of faith. Faith is not willpower. It's not inner fortitude. It has nothing to do with me being able to create something that I can just go do this. faith only comes from God. It's divine. It's supernatural. It's something that we can't create on our own. It has nothing to do with myself. See, Abraham wasn't a bad dad for taking his son up on that mountain. And neither was Abraham some type of like spiritual giant that just had this like magic willpower something in him. No. Abraham was a normal human being. He simply humbled himself enough to allow God's divine persuasion to fill him to the point that he willingly gave every single thing that God would ask of him. God says, I need.